if you have 60 million tax euros, the most responsible way to spend them would be to spend 1 million on building something sane and usable and just using the rest of the 59 million on booze and get absolutely hammered so that you don't spend them on ruining IT. Listening to the known unknowns with Henrik and William, producer Florence Dabane. In this episode, we're going to talk about open source in general and a very specific kind of open source project in particular. And for this reason, we have invited two guests to the podcast. So I'm going to give a warm welcome to Christian and Johan. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining the podcast. And if you could just uh, give us a brief uh, presentation of yourselves. Sure. Uh, my name is Johan. Um, typical programmer, as in close to 50 years old. No, I'm just 48. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, you could say, sort of the stereotypical boy room programmer. I started in 1981 on my Big 20 when I was eight years old and been programming ever since. Um, I also spent a lot of the 90s in politics, uh, which I think has sort of bred my interest for questions such as uh, what, how code affects society and how open source can affect uh, the public process. Christian? And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Christian Langren, and I'm uh, also a programmer, and uh, pretty much the same uh, stereotypical boy room guy uh, sitting home at programming. But then I started a company when I was uh, 17, uh, and that's the company that still runs, and uh, uh, which is called iTeam. But I think it was um, 2012 when I realized, and uh, pretty much the same time as you one, that I had become an enterprise consultant. <laughs> uh, I had a suit, and uh, I was moving in a direction where kind of uh, all the the love for the programming skills and and the nerdy stuff in my life was fading away. So then I decided to kind of join the dark side and realize that there was so much more fun uh, in the open source community rather than in the in the Microsoft uh, TFS and SharePoint community. <laughs> um, and um, so from that point on, I, I, I have done so many different things to kind of explore this area between the politics, uh, society and uh, and change and digitalization and AI and talked a lot about those things in different uh, areas and also explored a lot of things. So in my company now, I'm running kind of our uh, we are very small company, 25 people, but we still have this kind of innovation X hub inside of that uh, company as well. Um, so that's, that's uh, who I am. <laughs> yeah, and you are also parents Sort of, uh, yeah. sort of, not sort of. You are also parents uh, to kids <laughs> yeah. going to school. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. black well, and white. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm strictly speaking not a professional parent, so I, I'd go with the sort of. Yeah, um, you're doing it on your free time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so because in 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 the past few weeks you've been working on this this specific open source project called the. The öppna skolplattformen in Swedish, uh, roughly translated to English into the open school platform. 
just to give a very 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 brief summary of what uh, the what this is what this is all about um there is this uh, this platform called the school platform simply the school platform school platformen in Stockholm, in the Stockholm re- region. And this platform has been in development since, I think it is 2014. And it has cost roughly, if we're talking euro, it has cost roughly 100 million euro. If we're talking dollars, it's 120 million dollars invested into this school platform, which is supposed to be used by parents and uh, teachers for like uh, school purposes so when the the school platform was launched uh, in the stockholm region how would you describe this launch christian and you one <laughs> I, I i would call it um, interesting <laughs> I, I i actually got i actually got on on messenger just a couple of hours ago from a, a friend of mine uh who had like a, a memory on Facebook uh, where it said three years. Uh, yeah, that, that's from the launch. It says, now we've had the first pilot week of Stockholm City's new school platform uh, and my own and all the other parents' uh, opinion is that it's uh, uh, a good fortune that we don't have access to guns and the home addresses of the responsible. <laughs> That was three yeah. years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 I, I I would I would like to say that um, every time when someone public or private uh, organization tries to start a project with a budget of sixty million dollars or whatever, uh, and you try to launch it, it's it's obviously gonna fail. But I think the most worrisome part of this is that now it has been almost three years, but it's still uh, as bad. It's still, you know, really, really buggy. It's still, you know, user interface that you can't really understand where you are and everything just stops working all the time. So you have to start over. So uh, for that type of of project that has cost so much money and still isn't, you know, usable from uh, from any perspective, uh, it's very tragic. Yeah. And of course, parents and teachers alike, they aren't, they haven't been very happy about the school platform, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, yeah. There has been a public outrage, you could say. So that's yeah. why you guys decided to create the open school platform. Exactly. And it started just from frustration. You know, I was, I was so angry. Like so many good things. Had, it started from frustration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was so, so much anger and frustration, and uh, and uh, I think it's also interesting to think about, uh, like you said, programmer is uh, the most common uh, profession in Stockholm, and uh, I would say that a lot of the programmers out there do have kids nowadays, and uh, they they probably are using school platform all the time. So they know how easy it is to do this uh, by themselves, but uh, uh, and are frustrated that it's so bad. And I was also so frustrated with with the school platform. So I decided to just look at in in Chrome tab to see uh, what's going on. Can I do something about this just for myself, like so I can make my sanity a little bit uh, <laughs> better? 
so I, I, I just started to kind of do a very simple uh, test and uh, created a small app that just visualized uh, my, my kids' uh, uh, letters from the school. And from that point on, I actually had solved my need for, for this. So that was pretty much it. <laughs> Uh, but uh, then I published this, uh, some pictures of it, and also uploaded the source code to GitHub uh, into a group of parents that had now formed kind of a, a Facebook group called, uh, and pretty much we were we were ironic about uh, our love for this school <laughs> platform. And, uh, um, and uh, <laughs> uh, so I uploaded it uh, into that group. And I also uh, uploaded to, to another Facebook group called Kodopor, which is one of the biggest programming uh, f- uh, Facebook groups here in Sweden. Uh, and there was a lot of lot of people that were interested in helping out. So so it formed kind of a, it started kind of some some sort of movement uh, out of this uh, this frustration. And uh, many people shared the same same ideas uh, like me that it should be open sourced um, and it should be in collaboration and um, in an open fashion. So we kind of just uh, everything just happened from there on and uh, and become bigger and bigger and uh, and. Uh, and pretty soon, after just a few days or weeks, I don't know, you one came along as one of the first ones, and uh, and also uh, another uh, programmer called Eric Hellman that also started created uh, a different app in Flutter. So that, that was kind of the start of it. Yeah, and and when was this? You know, if you would put it in a timeline, like when you started just for for your own sake, and then. Uh, you started in October, right? And then I joined in November. No, I, I bought my my hat in in October, and I started started to you know fiddle around with that. But uh, I think from the starting point where I started the the app, I think it was the beginning of December. Uh, and my goal then uh, was that I was going to finish this before Christmas. Uh, so I would, would give this as an as an app to to as a Christmas present to all the time. <laughs> Um, that was my my initial idea <laughs> and i, I joined I somewhere around christmas it was just before christmas eve i think and actually for me yeah. it was um this wasn't actually born that much out of out of frustration because i had basically said that my religion does not allow me to use the school platform so my <laughs> wife will just have to deal with that pain um so for me this was actually more like uh like the code version of of flipping the bird <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna show them so that's how it started and and then it sort of grew on me that this was actually like it was actually a practical to lose practical solution to a very small part of the problem with the platform but it was also a very strong political statement uh, it, it sort of encapsulated so much of what me and Kristen have been talking about throughout the years about how to work with things that it sort of turned into this flipping the bird into a, an actual meaningful project that I now find myself caring a lot about. You you actually launched the, the app, which is right now uh, an iOS app. And Android. It, it, it is, because when you launched last week, it was iOS, but you have launched the Android app now as well. Yeah, but that was a week ago. That's like years yeah. in internet time. We were actually we 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 have released four versions now. Uh, we released uh, the latest Android version yesterday and the latest iOS version this morning, I think. And we're currently submitting the next version, mm-hmm. so that's going to be the one point four. The way it's so, supposed yeah, we're to on be iOS done. And Android. Like, you've done it the way oh, it's yeah. supposed to be done. You shouldn't have to wait like six months for the Android version. No. This is this is just so no. 
I'm relieved to hear this, but also, yeah. just, and also so when, 25 releases in one week and we're doing this on a spare time and we have full-time jobs and families. Yeah. And it didn't cost yeah. <laughs> $120 million. So, <laughs> and also when you launched the iOS app in, in the Apple app store last week, it, in just, uh, um, in just a matter of hours, it was already mm. the, the most downloaded paid app because it costs what is it is it like 12 swedish crowns so yeah, yeah. so that's like one dollar or one euro like yeah. basically the the cheapest of the payment yeah the, the paid tiers so in in just a matter of hours it was already the most downloaded paid app in the, <laughs> in in the apple app store yeah yeah, and and also it's, the reviews that were coming in were were aston- astonishing. They were you know so super happy and it and it worked. And uh, and I think most entrepreneurs can uh, can understand the feeling when you kind of are doing something and you're putting yourself out there. And we had already got media coverage before launching that uh, saying that the city was uh, launching an investigation whether or not this this app was legal or not and. Uh, there's a lot of lot of you know it's a lot of uh, politics it's at stake when you are dealing with uh, project that costs this much and uh, we are as private citizens can do something like this uh, so there's a lot of forces around um, but we decided anyway to launch it and uh, and we were terrified not because of legal precautions but uh, but that we actually didn't know uh, that it worked more than for us <laughs> we had tested for on ourselves and you know friends and family and uh, you know launched it on on the test flight so we had you know, i don't know 50 people or something that had tested it. so we we had some ideas that it would work but we had no idea if it would go, going to work on the on the high school students or uh, parents or and also preschool like all those things we it just was a big unknown so we had no idea uh, whether or not this is gonna fail miserably and just you know be twitter all over like this is the this is the worst <laughs> app that i've seen uh, or if they were gonna li- love it so and we was that was super relieving for us to to see the the, the reviews coming in uh, that that it worked and that that they actually uh, liked what they, they were seeing yeah, the, the the feedback has been astonishing. Like I read, I actually read a Facebook comment yesterday that said, "God bless them, they saved my life." And I'm like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> there's that religion again. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're creating a new religion. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. so what what was the you mentioned that you were actually terrified of this uh, going on with the pressure from as you said the politics and I can understand that for sure I mean all of us uh, work in have worked in enterprise and you know it can be quite scary actually to mess with those things and uh, politics as mm. well in general so what was the what, could you describe what was the moment where you reached sort of the peak of being terrified i assume you're sort of coming down now or are you still walking around uh, with a <laughs> fight or flight you're like walking down the street someone comes up and you're like oh i better walk away you know oh, i'm just social was, distancing really, no worries yeah like for me it wasn't actually the, the the politics of it at all it was basically just no. uh, and i think that's what you said as well christian that I, I was terrified that we had done a bad job yeah. No, no, but actually, my feeling is that, like, yeah, finally, uh, we, as we, as we said, like, you and I have been having these conversations about open source and uh, and governmental digitalization and the waste, enormous waste that both big corporations are wasting on on like standard platforms and consultants trying to do 
like the uh, small minor minor details on things that are very you know hard moving blocks that you can't really move instead of just taking on the actual problem and iterate on the user problem and doing it one uh, you know one problem at a time and we see this this uh, uh, we see that it works and it, and all the projects have been making for for the last uh, you know 12 or i don't know 5 6 years have been uh, we have been doing in this way and finally we get some sort of uh, illustration and a talking point that we, where we can where we and everyone else that also have these these frustrations can can actually point to and say that we can actually do this this is something we can do so i feel actually quite relieved right now um, that we we have proved that it works and we have proved that there are m many many people that share our frustration and not only with the platform but uh, moreover kind of the the waste and the uh, both waste of energy and money but also waste of our uh, our own time as users uh, spending in these really really bad interfaces that shouldn't be this bad and it's very easy to take care of the problem so i'm going to i'm i'm sort of thinking i'm going to put on the 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 devil's advocate hat here a little bit we're talking open source. It's an open platform. There's a lot of, there's going to likely be a lot of contributors. I was going to say, how do you see this being, as you mentioned, you're worried about stability or things working out as they should. If, if you go this way, isn't that sort of challenging the sustainability of the application? You don't have any enterprise grade tooling or, or people behind this project. So what makes you sure that this is actually a good thing in the long term, that you are going about it with the open source platform? So, so let's start actually on by answering first why we made it open source. So one thing is that we like open source. We want to promote open source and we especially want to promote open source for all code written paid by tax money. So that sort of made it in this case, this is not tax money. But it was sort of important to to have that part of the project as a vehicle for that discussion. The second thing is that when we started using, I mean, we're using the APIs of the city's official school platform in our app. The problem is that it's not an open API. And that means not that it's not open and accessible, because it is. It means that they haven't realized that it's open, so they haven't regulated it. So you can't get an API key, and there are no rules for calling it. It's basically the Wild West. So if we now build an app and there is no like checkboxes to say that we uh, agree with the terms and conditions of using the API, what's to say that we don't take all this information and just like dump it onto our own servers and, and start mapping all the kids in, in the Stockholm region? Well, there is nothing to say that, so we have to show it somehow. And one way to do that is by open sourcing all the code so that everyone can look into it and see what it is that we're doing. So that's, we, we sort of didn't have a choice. We would have chosen it anyway, but we didn't have a choice now. So stating the obvious um, here, you aren't uh, storing the data of, of uh, all no, students in Stockholm. We're not. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, no, actually, we're not even we're not even logging or, or creating crash reports because we're so terrified of accidentally storing some sort of smidgen of, of personal information. 
Yeah, that's scary we, we stuff. Actually, we, we, we actually got an offer from, from uh, FiberDirect, which is a hosting company, and they offered us free service in their, their hosting, uh, hosting uh, facilities. But, uh, but we said we, we don't have any servers, so, so thank you so much, but we, we, we don't need it because we, ha- we actually have only the app, and the app only talks to St- uh, Stockholm Stad's uh, API. And um, and nothing else is going out from from uh, from our side anywhere else. Right. The, it's it's like just a front, like a front end application would be, yeah. for example. Yeah. yeah. From a legal standpoint, you could you could see it uh, uh, in the same way as uh, Google Chrome. Uh, Google Chrome also shows a web page. Um, it has no access to kind of any information other than you know serve, helping the user getting access to the, uh, their own data. So that that's the kind of the the, the legal uh, equivalent from this for this application. I'm guessing that this this uh, is piquing your interest, uh, William. Talking about like serverless uh, <laughs> uh, platform, and you know what what kind of technology did you use, William? You have any? <laughs> You have any, yeah. any queries? Yeah, I'm mostly into web development recently, but but I do wonder. Uh, so so, how did you construct this app? I know that you you released it for Android now. You last I heard, it was only on on the App Store on the iPhone on iOS. So I'm wondering uh, what sort of tech stack did you use to 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 do this launch on both uh, platforms? Uh, that actually ties into the whole server thing because, like, when this started. It was basically like Christian sat down and started creating a node sort of API that proxied the, the, the official APIs to sort of make it more sane because they've been, I don't know, their, their design is just horrible. And, and then he started running that and then they blocked his, he was running it from a, a Mac mini in the basement and then they blocked his IP. And that's when we sort of looked at each other and went, Wait a second. This is probably a bad idea, right? We should not be routing this traffic through a server. That's a bad idea. <laughs> so then, and and by that time, Eric Hellman had built this Flutter app. But so we said, okay, if we basically, um, if we uh, go to React Native instead. So so could, just a just a note. Uh, Flutter uh, is a is an it's a. Could you briefly describe? It's, it's, what a hybrid, is? it's a hybrid framework for creating apps that can run on both iOS and Android. Okay, and, and it's by Google, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's by Google, and you use Dart as language. Um, but so what we did was we moved to React Native, which is uh, React by Facebook, React Native by Facebook, and then it's like JavaScript-based, but you still build this native UI for Android, iOS, Mac OS, Windows, whatever. Uh, so it's sort of a common code base. But what happened then was that if, if we, since we moved to JavaScript, we could actually take that node, node backend code, and run it in the app instead. So that's what we're doing now. We're sort of running this API proxy, but it's running in process in the app. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which means that so the, which means that the the app can be sane. Uh, it can use kind of the proper API calls that you would uh, use if you would have an, a sane API on the other side. Uh, but we are kind of encapsulating those calls inside of a component that uh, that creates kind of uh, the uh, understands what those sane calls will will lead to in kind of the insane uh, API. <laughs> if you would, if you would say. <laughs> Yeah. But, but, and, and also, 
and, and also the, the like the really interesting thing which we like didn't really realize from the start but it's sort of dawned on, on us along the way is that a lot of people are saying like oh i want that app too but we don't have the school platform we have school soft or v class or blah 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 and they're just as horrible <laughs> can't you build an app for that as well and we're like huh potentially we actually could because we have this API proxy running in the app that sort of translates the path, school platform to what an API should look like. So we actually have the opportunity to sort of fork that API proxy and build it for the other platforms as well. I mean, it's not mm. coming back to your question about sustainability. It's not like we have the time to do that right now, mm. but you know, it's open source. So, and anyone is like happy to contribute. Yeah. So if anyone so else the, have the time to to do this, they could. So so uh, so if we, I mean, in my mind, what what would happen? Like if I think about the the realistic uh, gray world out there, it's that you created this open source uh, project, and then uh, sixty million shows up again, and someone says, "Well, we have this platform over there. We can start from there, and then use our sixty million to deliver a new app, or, or <laughs> you know, the, the some new company starts a project." Uh, I, I'm saying that's what I could imagine happening, uh, because you do mention that you know, if you want to support, maybe someone gets the idea which you me- just mentioned, which is brilliant, by the way, that you want to unify all the uh, the API, uh, all the other APIs into one front, one app. So maybe someone does get that idea and pitches that, and and they can say for a fact, well, we're a company, we're enterprise, you know, we're 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 the guys you need, right, to deliver yeah. the the stability across all those APIs. So I'm saying that obviously that's uh, off the table uh, for you guys, and and I really like that, but I really want to hear how, what would be your suggestion to to compete with this inferior approach. Yeah, I, I think it's a really, really good question. I think um, you have to, first of all, you have to, you have to understand that this comparison between the, the kind of the time that we have been spending for building an app compared to the time that they have been sp- spending in meetings and hours of, you know, <laughs> negotiating a license agreement between, you know, different platforms uh, and and legal arguments between different, as you know, so so it's very unfair comparison to. Uh, so so it's you know it's much easier for us, of course, to say now when they have done all that groundwork, it's easier for us to do kind of uh, the 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 good stuff on top of that. So and we get all the praise and they get all the all the shame. Um, but I think it's very important uh, that we that we learn from this lesson and say, okay, so next time we start a new project, that we initially think that this this could be one of those like sixty million dollar uh, projects. Maybe this time we shouldn't do all the things ourselves. Maybe we should try to concentrate on the things that actually was valuable the last time. Um, but learn from those mistakes and kind of, uh, so our suggestion is that, uh, you know, next time someone starts that type of project, start by doing something small, start by involving kind of developers and, uh, and the private sector into the conversation early on and, and concentrate on the, from the public sector, but also in the larger corporations. Like if we start with the API and make the API really, really, really well understood, uh, and easy to use, so everyone wants to colla- collaborate on on the user interfaces. 
then you kind of in that mix between and the conversation between kind of the developers and the mar- private markets and uh, together with your your understanding about the information structure and the legal standpoints and all those things that are so much more complex that we than we can understand right now uh, if we can divide those things say we have we have a, a line here between uh, which is the api and we we as infrastructure uh, and responsible for kind of keeping information intact as a government agency that's the line where we that we where we can do and we can maybe do some sort of example app and we can start you know do something that is really easy but but the rest of it the the good stuff will happen first when kind of the private sector comes on and starts developing their own apps and things start happening in the open source arena and things like that and also the, the, the in that process you will you will get one other key factor here which is the standard for the APIs because uh, if you if you reach the point where you have an API, you also start kind of seeing the structure of your of your, of your government agency from kind of a, uh, open standards perspective. And probably when you start looking at it, you will probably find other government agencies in other countries maybe that also have the similar kind of idea and they have already started developing their own standard. And in that process, you kind of get to a point where we start globally finding these these standards for how government agencies and, uh, uh, and public sector should interact with the private sector. And I would think that most societies have these kind of basic structures they have police they have uh, uh, you have healthcare you have school and you have education and and transport and all those things and in all those sectors you will have eventually have very solid standards uh, on how to how a government agencies and public sector should interop with uh, the private sector and the better we can be at defining those standards early on and uh, and also share those that code as open source um I think we will we will see a dramatic change in how much we can anticipate from kind of digitalization in the in the society as a whole. So and saying, I would, I would yeah, also say that like if you have sixty million tax euros, the most responsible way to spend them would be to spend one million on building something sane and usable, and just using the 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 rest of the fifty nine million on booze and get absolutely hammered so that you don't spend them on ruining IT. like those buddies are too big they always end up making things worse yeah we have we have actually taken it so so far so we are we are now kind of going out in different different uh, podcasts and media and saying like these these projects they should stop uh, we need to stop starting these, you know, big projects. Uh, whenever you have that idea that we should start a big project, stop. Like, and also if you can, uh, you know, stop uh, uh, digital IT project that, that already have costed more than you know, hundred. Uh, what's it? Uh, Ten million euro. I would say that's an absolute euro. cap. Yeah. If it's bigger than that, you should yeah. pull the plug now. Yeah, and that's. Overall, like every every part of the society, you should never do this, those type of, of uh, projects. You shouldn't start them, and if they cost that much, stop them. Okay, so you're saying that to uh, the, the, the advice that you want to give is that start from a smaller scope. In this case, yep. someone somewhere said, we need an app for parents to log their kids' absence. And then someone gets 
that information, they pass it on, they pass it on, pass it on. And then someone says, oh, we need to make an app for the entire school system of Stockholm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. We're going to need millions uh, mm-hmm. if we can even pull it off, you know, with these poor people working in enterprise, myself included. And now the opposite is that Christian didn't even say, oh, parents need an app. He said, I need an app. Right. So right. that's very, really the, the smallest possible use case. And we, we said, mm-hmm. like, we, we calculated that we spent, if this would have been, like, on, on business hours, um, the budget that we have spent so far would probably be around 40,000 euros. And mm-hmm. we think that's a very good budget. Um, and mm-hmm. that's not to say that the project will be, or the functionality and the app and all that stuff will be done within that budget. It's just reasonable to have a budget of 40,000 euros. So if it turns out to be crap, you can just can the project. And if it turns out to be really good, you can allocate another budget of 40,000. And you keep doing that. So to, to your early question about the sustainability, we don't know. We haven't had that problem yet. We, don't even, we didn't even know if it was an app worth sustaining Mm. So we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Also, just uh, when it comes to to these things, if I if I understand you correctly, you have been sort of a um, a core group of three to five people. Uh, but how many contributors uh, have you had to to this open source project? I think we have. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before we had seventy uh, contributors. I think it was three thousand people have downloaded the code, uh, cloned it from GitHub. Mm. Um, and I think uh, as as core contributors in the source code, I think it was eight that have you know had their pull requests uh, approved from us. And um, yeah, mm. uh, four core programmers, um, and then there is so so there's me, there's Christian, uh, Erik Hellman, uh, Richard uh, Dog, uh, and then we have Jan Aldean who works on uh, in a PR company called Lennox. And then there is uh, Karin Nygård, who is uh, a teacher and the, the person who was sort of most responsible for bringing programming onto the curriculum in Swedish schools. It's really cool. Mm. And in this project, she's actually made her first PR. Nice. <laughs> nice. Wow. <laughs> well, you got more contributors than I could and ever also the, yeah. <laughs> And also the illustrations, uh, the beautiful illustrations oh, yeah. in, the, in the app. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, like you stated, the the iOS app was uh, launched last week. The Android app soon thereafter. What has been the response so far from the Stockholm region? Because as you stated earlier, and as, and as we know, there has been a, a lot of response before, even before the the app was was launched. Uh, they said that they're, they're going to launch an investigation that this might be illegal and all this stuff. But what have been the response now after the release of the app? Um, it, that's a very good question. We haven't had any, you know, we haven't had any 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 conversations or or contact uh, from from the city, uh, but they have sent out information to all the parents that this app is available. Uh, they have uh, so, and it's kind of cryptic to understand what their aim is with doing that. Uh, I I maybe think I think that they might want people not to download it, but. <laughs> People are, of course, curious, and if they, they're know, like, so, "This this so thing the, exists I, I, over here," you, you, you know, we, we're yeah. not endorsing you to click it or anything, but just so you know, no, but it's it's, it's there. <laughs> yeah. um, 
but but they're also like pointing out that it's made by private individuals and they're sort of heavily implying that it could be very dangerous and that people yeah. should avoid it. So they are warning people, yeah. but in doing so, they are also giving giving the app some PR. <laughs> they are, but it's also yeah. FUD. Yeah. And and I think yeah. a lot of people think it's sort of scary. But 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 this is also like this project is teaching us so much because um, there are things that we never thought about. Like we're talking, uh, so Christian has been talking to the school that his kids go to. And, and I mean, basically the, the people working in the schools, a lot of them like this, but they can never tell people to download it because it costs money. And that's actually illegal for the school to promote something that costs money because the school should be free. Which sort of puts us in this weird situation where it's it's uh, illegal for the school to tell someone that an app for uh, one euro is probably a good way to go. But it's fine for them to charge – or it's fine for us to charge every (laughs) parent $200 to build a system that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Which also leads me to the next question. Why why did you decide to to make this um, a paid app? We, we actually have, a, we, we started a company um, to, to sort of own the app and we decided to call the company Not Free Beer. And that, of course, ties back to the uh, GNU project, which says that defines opens, um, free and open software as uh, the, that you think about it as free as in free speech, not free as in free beer. Mm. So that's what, mm. why we're called not free beer, because the, the code is open source. Anyone can clone it. Anyone can fork it. Anyone can use it. But the app is not free as in free beer. Because we're also professionals, we want to get some payment for our time. Mm. Mm. And, also, and also, I think uh, it's also a statement because uh, there has been so many, many you know, hackathons and uh, you know, uh, I call it innovation theaters, like uh, things that government do so they people can try their data and, and build something that works. And and it's uh, I I think it's a disgrace actually I think it's a disgrace to kind of programmers to 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 use programmers' time without any any real uh, idea on how to make it sustainable. Like if you do a hackathon, you create something uh, during your your weekend, and and no one has any plans for for how that's going to be you know launched. Then they can't even say that this app exists uh, if if you know if they decide to charge money for it. So. There aren't actually any any good answers to these questions right now, which is interesting, and I think that's one of the reasons why why we also decided to 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 point this out that you know our time is actually not free, uh, and open source doesn't uh, uh, doesn't mean free software in that in that sense. Uh, so I think this our meaning with this is is uh, that we want to kind of start a discussion how are we going to reimburse all this free time that people are spending and how can we make sure that that you can actually do good stuff for society and also make some money on it uh, because i think uh, you know that, that uh, the alternative would be bad that it's only you know government agencies that can do good stuff and everyone else just just supply them with money that's that's uh, not the society i want to be part of 
And it's not even just government agencies. Basically, what we're saying is we're having this like, oh, now we have the hack for Sweden, blah, blah, blah. And we create all these good ideas and it's all open source. And everyone is like putting in their free time to change society. And, and, and then we look at it and we go, oh, this is a really good idea. Let's put out a, a, a call for, for proposals so that the really big companies who don't give a crap about doing something good, they just mm. want to make money so they can snag mm. the contract and do it all closed source and they can yeah. get paid 600 million euros by, by, <laughs> from tax money instead of the guys who built this, like the whole idea in their spare time. So we're basically saying, screw it, we're going we're gonna to charge. I mean, it's a very, very small sum, but we're going to get paid for trying to do something good because it's, it's just unreasonable to think that the only way to get paid is to not do something good. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of, a, it's sort of a, a human mentality thing. Like, yo, if I pay this, who, who gets this money? Like, who is, yeah. you know, people get un- but, but, feel insecure. But yeah, there's like, also one other thing that, it, uh, that is really important with that is that if you pay, even if you only pay, t- uh, you know, one euro for, for downloading an app, you actually can expect that it's, it's going to work. Uh, so you do invest your time in something when only if you know that it's actually worth spending your time on. If we would have launched this as a free app, I'm not entirely sure that uh, as many people have downloaded it because, you know, it's open source. It's not, uh, you know, it's probably not going to work. And probably we haven't had this much of intention on the project as, as well if we hadn't done it. So I think that's one of the key problems here that we, we are focusing on the th- wrong discussion when talking about, uh, you know, uh, the, the reason why it costs money. Mm. I think we should have see much more apps that actually cost money. And especially in Europe, we don't have... We can't really rely on advertising as a business model for any startups in Europe. You have to go to a much more uh, homogenic market in order for you to, to get as much you know, users so you, can, so you can have a sustainable business model based on advertising. So I think we should in Europe have much more, you know, rely much more on, on paid apps for, for these types of, of services. Uh, so w- w- there is one more question that I want to ask from a devil's advocate por- point of view, uh, and that is, I-, I believe that you guys did uh, something amazing, and I-, I think it's great that we can prove that this can be done with just the right level of interest and uh, the skills required, uh, which of course should be compensated. So I agree with that. Mm. Like what I want to say is that what if you take the level of passion that you guys have for this and you can, are you able to have that sort of passion to breed that sort of passion in a company that gets maybe not 60 million, but a fraction? You, you implied before that you start a project, give it a small budget. Can you actually put people uh, as passionate as yourselves inside of such a project, even though it's inside of an enterprise? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I worked at iTeam for, what was it, seven years? And me and Christian were like basically crusading, like all these different types of questions. And then one day I felt that I need, I need a new challenge. So I left iTeam for, for SCB, the big bank, because I thought that's, that's probably a, a worthy sort of um, opponent. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but like a worthy challenge. Like mm -hmm. if I can, if I can change SAB to go more in this direction, mm -hmm. that would change the world a lot. And I still believe that it's possible to build this kind of passion and this kind of drive within large enterprises, um, because people are people. And I think uh, it's not going to happen automatically. I think it's a lot of work that needs to be done in in your culture, in your way of working, how you start teams, how you, you know, kind of how you set up your projects. There's a lot of lot of um, you know culture that comes from kind of the the industrial era that still is you know uh, making all these these uh, or having these effects on on how people. Uh, feel when they go to work and they don't feel kind of passionate about their work uh, but that's not to say that it's uh, impossible to do it and I think there's a lot of research that is available on how to form teams that actually uh, perform well and, uh, and it comes down to kind of, are you trusting each other are you trusting your peers do you understand the bigger goal do you feel that you're actually contributing to something larger or just feeling like a brick in a very small uh, keg in some sort of big industrial wheel and if you decide to quit no one would even notice like um, uh, and and I th so I think it's about small scale I think it's about starting and I think it's about kind of engaging people and understand getting them to understand what the the big uh, challenges actually are and and it's not not that we have uh, you know uh, few challenges big challenges to take on and i think it's time for us to start working in different ways uh, and and start utilizing more of these methods when we and that's exactly what i do in uh, in iTeam. that's that we have like those we are not only programs we also have uh, agile coaches that work a lot with those types of setting these things up so you can you can be have methods on actually performing and measure those those uh, those teams' performances in that way. Uh, so I, I definitely think uh, it's possible, and and we prove it all the time. We've been around, we've been around for twenty five years, so mm. it's it's also sustainable. But it's very small scale, so we, this could be done much more, much larger. And I'm, of course, I'm going to use this app internally as well. Like if anyone ever questions if you it's possible to do more. By you working in a different way, I'm going to point to this happening. I say, well, you have here you have it. Five releases in one week mm. in our spare time. When we have families as well, it's basically the mm. uh, the Obadiah Stain yelling at the scientists at Iron Man One, where he shouts, "Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps." <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to point to this app, and that's what I'm going to scream. Yeah, and I and also want to add to that your, to your question before you said uh, you don't have an enterprise grade you know uh, software that, that gives any trust in this, and I would I would just use that argument in the in the opposite way because we don't have any any those type of big bulky systems that other companies are governing uh, what you can do. That's the reason why we can move this fast. Here, here. So being these open source crusaders. Uh, that you are, and also like when when I hear you talk, you're, you're talking about like free speech, free speech, uh, not free beer. This is about democratizing these processes. So to yeah. sort of sum up this this entire episode, if if I were to ask you to give me like the elevator pitch for open source crusades, what would that sound like? Elevator pitch. 
Um, I, I think what I would what I would say is that um, if you're in a large enterprise and you're thinking about open source and how it sort of fits in there, I think that the most important thing to realize is that code is not value. Code is liability. Code is the price we pay for digital functionality, which means that open sourcing your code is not sharing your profits, it's sharing your risks. Hmm. That's a great one. That's a great one. Mm. Guys, Christian and Johan, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank you for your insights, uh, you know, when it comes to open source. And thank you for creating this, the open school platform. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> one, one step closer to moving to Stockholm for me. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen. <laughs> but... <laughs>